Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. ...of God's Word today, and uh, Mike, if you'll permit me, I would like to just share a little bit. This is more than just a song today. It's a confession of faith. Micah was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks ago, and a week ago last Friday she had surgery. And we're just believing God is going to take care of that. So if you wondered why she sang with such passion, now you know why. Joshua chapter 3. It's good to see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than I first thought this morning. We've been on a series at the beginning of the year called A New Season. And uh, I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit knows, what we need. Chapter 3, verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and he lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. I've got that underlined there, and certainly it's not underlined in your Bible, but I underlined it there for a reason. You have not passed this way before. Could we say that together? You have not passed this way before. Let's all say it. Here we go. You have not passed this way before. How many of you have ever been somewhere you hadn't been before? Kind of like the guy said, honey, let's go to the kitchen. <laughs> That's not right, is it? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your strength. Thank you for loving us beyond our wildest imaginations. Thank you, O oh God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. I love the story of the young girl who crawled up in her grandpa's lap. And she said, Grandpa, as she rubbed his face and traced the lines and the wrinkles with her finger, said, Grandpa, did God make you... And he said, yeah, honey, uh, God made me many years ago. And she said, uh, well, Grandpa, did God make me? And he said, yeah, God made you, but he made you not too long ago. And as she rubbed his face and she rubbed her face, and she said, Grandpa, God's getting better, isn't he? <laughs> well, God always leads us to a better place. He's taking us to new territory, new ground, new season. And I want you today to let faith arise in your heart and your life, believing that God is leading you somewhere new. And he's bringing you somewhere fresh. And he's bringing you to a place that he wants us to get to. And it's not without obstacles, but you and I are stepping into a new season. How many of you believe that? You're stepping into new opportunities. Matter of fact, Turn to the one on your right and say, I'm stepping into a new season. 
Now go to the left and say, I'm stepping into a new opportunity. I believe if you believe something, you ought to confess something. How many of you believe that? See, God is talking to us about newness, about new seasons, about new opportunities. And certainly in this passage, he's doing the same. I'm taking you somewhere you've never been before. Now, there's three things here. Here's the place, east side of the Jordan River. That's the place. But the time frame is wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They have wandered around and around and around, and now they're on the east side of the Jordan River, but the objective is the promised land. The, the objective is not to wander, it's not to walk, it's not to go in circles. The objective is to get where God wants them to go. Can I hear an amen? So Israel is about to step into a new season in their lives. So what does that mean? What does it look like? Can we glean anything from that? Can we look at this experience that they're having? Can we see something in our experience that relates to what we're going through as to what they're going through? And I believe the Bible can give us insight on what our journey looks like by looking at their journey. How many of you believe that? So I want to just give you three things today. Number one, a new season means change. Say that with me. A new season means change. Isn't it interesting that we want change without changing? I mean, really, we do. We, we want change without changing. It's something that we all face. It's interesting that we want a new season without changing. We want new opportunities without changing. We want to possess a new land without any effort on our part. Please understand, God will do his part, but he won't do your part. And his part's much bigger than your part, much bigger than my part, but there's a part that we have to play. And you say, well, you know, salvation's all about the Lord. I understand that. It's not by my strength, my wisdom, my efforts, my deeds. It's by what he did to the cross of Calvary. But I had to believe, I had to respond, I had to accept, I had to embrace. Amen? So there's a part that I have to play. There's a part that you have to play. So if I'm going to go to a new season, a new land, a Canaan, if I'm going to go to a place that flows with milk and honey, there's a part that I have to play. And here, they're going to have to change. God provides the way, but we have to walk in that way. We have to embrace that way. We have to say, I'm going to go God's way. He is the way, right? But we have to go with him to reach our goals. Now, notice some things in this passage. Joshua first comes to the people and he says, we're getting ready to come into a new season in our life. We're coming to a new land. So notice there, chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself. Say that with me. Sanctify yourself. Let's all say it. Sanctify yourself. Now what does that mean? That's a big churchy word, sanctify. I don't use that much, do you? I haven't went to anybody and said, you know what, I was thinking about sanctifying myself. And you probably hadn't said that either, but that's what Joshua said. He says, okay, now we need to sanctify ourselves. That word appears about 170 times in your Bible. You would think if it appeared 170 times in your Bible, that would be a pretty important word. So what in the world does that mean to us? How, how do we relate to that word sanctify yourself? Well, to understand that, let me just give you a little background here. The word here is translated 108 times as the word sanctify. But 25 times it refers to being hallowed. 10 times it refers to being dedicated or dedication. 7 times it means holy. 7 times it's translated as prepare or preparation. 5 times it means consecrate or consecration. 1 time it means purify. This is what the Lord's saying. 
You're getting ready to step into a new season, a new time, new opportunity, so prepare yourself for it. You're, you're getting ready to go, so you've got to get prepared for it. I heard this about a month or two ago. Someone said, if you ever get a million dollars, you need to immediately become a millionaire. And I said, what? What does that mean? This is what they're saying. 80% of all people who win the lottery in five years, they're broke. They've got the money, but they don't have the mindset to control and administrate the money. Can't manage the money. So what he's saying, if you become a millionaire with money, then you need to become a millionaire in position and mind and thought. If you don't, you can't keep what you got. The Lord's fixing to take them to a new land, new season, new opportunity. But if you don't prepare yourself, you can't keep what God has for you. So there is preparation on our part. Sanctify yourself. Consecrate yourself. Prepare yourself. You are going to a place, so sanctify yourself, verse 5, because the Lord's fixing to do wonders among you. How many of you are ready for God to do something different for you? God's going to do something amazing for you. He has an opportunity for you, a door opening for you. But he says, before he does it, you need to sanctify yourself. Not only did God want them to sanctify themselves, he wanted them to keep the covenant that he'd already given them. Now this is interesting. Because when you go to chapter 5 in this story, this is what we know. When they left Egypt, the males were in covenant relationship with God in the sense they had received the token of circumcision that represented the covenant. Do you realize in the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, nobody was circumcised? And God is saying, okay, you want the new Canaan, but you don't want to keep the old covenant. So if you're going to have the new Canaan, you have to keep the old covenant. Now, I'm not saying this is something that we have to do today, but in their day and time, there was this covenant of faith from Father Abraham that I'm going to make a covenant with you, and the sign of the covenant is circumcision. So for 40 years, they never entered in to that token of covenant. God is saying, sanctify yourself and be sure you're in the right position of covenant agreement with me. Today, you and I are in covenant agreement with God by faith. And so therefore, we're not cutting some type of flesh out of our life physically, but let me tell you, there's some stuff you've got to cut out of your life every day. I, I wish that once I got saved, I would have never, ever had another Bible in my life. How many of you know I would be lying to you if I said that? Look at your neighbor. That proves it right there. You and I, we can be saved, but still have issues that we're dealing with. In Romans 7, Paul put it this way, and I kind of like Paul saying this. He said, the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I should do, I don't do. Who in the world is going to deliver me from this? And then he makes this statement, oh, wretched man that I am. I wish he had said was. But he didn't. He said, wretched man that I am, I'm still having issues. I'm still having struggles. I'm still having conflicts. I'm still having challenges. How many of you are still having them today? So once you got saved, <laughs> everything didn't go away. 
Someone said, I got Jesus in my heart, but Grandpa's still in my bones. I got Jesus in my heart, but every once in a while I still like like my mama. I deserve a better amen than that. What does that mean? I'm still dealing with some things that's been passed down through my family. I'm still dealing with some attitudes. I'm still dealing with some anger issues. I'm still dealing with some issues that I need to conquer. And every once in a while, guess what? They rise up. They get in our way. They, they cause us some trouble. And guess what? God is big enough to help us cut that part of our life out. We need to be in covenant relationship with God. Number one, sanctify yourself. Get prepared. Get the right mindset. Get ready. I'm going to take you to a new season. Number two, make sure you're in covenant relationship with me. Num number three here in this, notice what he said. If you want to possess Canaan, you've got to keep the covenant. But also he said things are not only going to change in the fact that you sanctify yourself, that you're in covenant relationship with me. But if you look in chapter 5, here is a line that is a humdinger. And the manna ceased. Do you realize this generation for 40 years went out every morning except the Sabbath and God would rain the food down? Some of them never knew a day in their life without the Sabbath being the exception. They never knew a day in their life that God did not supernaturally provide for them the manna. And guess what? One day... The manna ceased. Think about this. You walk out for 40 years. The manna has been there. And one day you walk out the tent and guess what? No manna. That's a change. He said, that's not a good change. Well, it can be a good change. If you've been eating manna bread for 40 years, how many of you know a sloppy joe looks better? <laughs> or something new, something different. They had eaten the same angel's food, if you will, every day except the Sabbath for 40 days, and one day it stopped. Why did it stop? New season, new opportunity. This is what God said. He said, the man is going to cease because now you're going to eat the fruit of the new land from here on out. It's a new season for you. New opportunity for you. This is new. The man has ceased. Chapter 5, verse 12. So sanctify yourself. Be in covenant relationship. Everything is going to begin to change because you're in a new season. They enter into this place called Gilgal. Do you know what the word Gilgal means? It means the place of rolling away. All the stuff that they had been dealing with for those 40 years, God began to roll it away. Here's number two. Not only does a new season mean new changes, but a new season means new challenges. If you're going to go into a new season, you're going to have new challenges. The enemy's not going to let you move from point A to point B without a fight. You, you do know that, don't you? And some of you feel it right now. You, you're in the midst of a fight. You, you feel the conflict. You, you feel the friction. You feel the enemy working against you. You say, is this normal? We are kind of so. Because he does not want you to progress he doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to be in a better place because there's going to be that pull to keep you down. We will never, ever likely enter our new season without that pressure. 
You won't have that breakthrough. You won't embrace that new opportunity unless you feel that resistance. It's just what the enemy does. He doesn't want you to move forward. He doesn't want me to move forward. There's always going to be that. And Israel is going to face that. Let me give you the challenges they have. Number one is the weight. Number two is the water. Number three is the wall. There's the weight. There's the water. There's the wall. What do you mean, Pastor? They have waited 40 years for this. There's a difference between a weight and a detour. There's a difference between a weight and being parked somewhere. They have waited for 40 years. Do you realize that sometimes the weight that we have can be so discouraging? You know what I found out? We have some doctors here this morning. That every doctor's office and every dentist's office I've ever been into always has a waiting room. And sometimes the worst part of the whole visit is waiting in the waiting room. Is he going to get that good and dead before he sticks that drill in my mouth? Am I going to have to get a shot today? Do I have to get up there and weigh before I go back in his office? Y'all are so holy. Are you sure somebody's not got their foot pressing down on this while I'm standing on this? Last week I was 10 pounds lighter. I don't know what happened, doctor. It's just, uh, it, it's just all that anticipation while you're waiting. It's the process of waiting. It's the process of going through that. They've been waiting for 40 years. Sometimes the difficult part that we have, the challenge we have is the waiting. And, and the waiting sometimes is, is God's work because God's doing something within us. But sometimes the waiting is the waiting because we were afraid to move. Sometimes it's because we didn't progress. Sometimes it's because we didn't move when God said move. Sometimes it's because we're disobedient. Sometimes it's because we're walking in unbelief and we're just circling, circling like they did in the wilderness for 40 years. You know why they circled in 40 years? Because they walked in unbelief. God brought them to Kadesh Barnea and he was ready to bring them in. But you know what they said? We can't do it. We can't go. There's giants. There's walled cities. We can't get there. So what do you do? Okay, another trip in the waiting room. Let's go through it again. Let's go around again. Forty years later, he brings them back. It's the waiting room. But sometimes God does use the waiting. Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Amen. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes God has us wait to recharge us, to, to rest us up, to get us ready. But sometimes we're just circling. We go, we go, we go, we go. God's wanting to do something. He has a new season, new opportunity. But it's that challenge of waiting. But then, when the waiting's over, they get to the water. <laughs> Isn't it ironic that God brought them there at the time of the harvest when the Jordan River is uh, flooded? And here you are. You're all in expectation. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm sanctifying myself. I'm in covenant relationship with you. Okay, the man is going to cease. I'm ready for a new, new season. And you get up and you say, what? what? The river's flooded. This is not a good time, God. Why did you bring us here at this time? Because the river's flooded. Because God had a plan. 
And he's fixing to do something. Remember when we went back and the Lord said, Sanctify yourself because the Lord is fixing to do wonders for you. God is going to show himself strong to you. He's going to be the mighty God to you. He's not the great I was. How many of you know he's the great I am? Right now, right now, today, he's the great I am for you. And so the water's flooded. Yesterday afternoon, early in the afternoon, I crossed the Red River because the rain, the, the river has, has swollen. I mean, it, it's pretty wide. Sometimes it's not very wide. Sometimes it's wider than others. I have crossed it in times of flood when it's almost been to the top of the bridge and it seems like it's a half a mile wide. It's out of the banks. It's raging. It would be certain death to get into it, wouldn't it? Man, the Jordan's out of its banks. You know what I say sometimes? I can handle life as long as it's in the parameters, but when it gets out of the parameters, sometimes I struggle. You ever been that way? Every once in a while you face the day and you say, man, my river's flooded. I did okay while it was kind of controlled here, but now it's out of control. Listen, when life gets out of control, you need a big God. You've got to have a powerful God. Have you ever been down to Red River, fished? When I was a young boy, we used to go down with my Uncle Bill. And uh, Dad never was much of a fisherman or camper, but I'd go with family members, and Steve and I went with my Uncle Bill. And How many of you have ever heard of Creek Coffee? Where they just take some grounds and throw it in a pot and boil it, and you just strain it with your teeth. We were there where Cash Creek ran into the Red River, and we were fishing and camping and having a good time, and we'd get out and swim in that old Red River. How many of you know they call it Red River for a reason? We didn't have bathing suits or swimming trunks. We'd strip down to our underwear or tidy whities We'd go swimming. When you got out, your tidy whities wasn't whitey anymore. They looked like Red River. Have that old red mud in it. One time Steve and I were swimming. He decided he was going to turn and swim upstream. And he had a funny look on his face. I said, what happened? He said, the water just sucked my underwear right off of me. I thought, too much information here. The river's flooded. How are we going to get across? Lord, this was our opportunity. This was our time. We waited for 40 years. And you bring us up here at the time of the flood? What is up with that? They have a flood. But look at chapter 3, verse 3. Notice what Joshua says. He says, the Ark of the Covenant, look on it. Watch it. Now, if you're here today and say, I don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, you need to watch a good Indiana Jones movie. But anyway, the Ark is the chest, the, the container, the Ten Commandments, and Aaron's rod that budded, and, and, and there's a pot of the manna from the wilderness there, and the, the cherubim have their wings over the Ark, and that's when the Shekinah glory of God would come down between the wings of the cherubim. And that was representative of the presence of God. Notice what Joshua said. Watch the ark. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. How many of you know, we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. Here's a key to get there. Keep your eyes on the Lord. But notice 
He didn't just say, keep your eye on the Lord. But notice in that same verse, verse 3, he said, when you see it, go after it. It's not enough just to see. How many of you know you've got to pursue? We're pursuing the Lord. We're hard after him. We're following the Lord. It's not just seeing, but we're seeking. We're letting him follow us. We're following him. We're the ones who are following. We're letting him lead us. This is what he's saying. He says, stay back so far. Not only are you going to follow him, but reverence him and keep the space. Remember, this is a holy journey. This is an awesome journey. Our God is an awesome God. Why take the ark and go forward? Because God's leading. He's not pushing them to a new land. How many of you know He's leading them to a new land? Let me give you a side note. In this 40-year journey as they travel to the promised land, they're, they're leaving Egypt, they're headed to the east, they cross the Red Sea, then they're circling around to the promised land. As they go on this journey, can I ask you a question? What tribe always led them on the journey? What, what tribe always camped on the east side of the camp? Matter of fact, they were told how to camp. There was an order to the camp. There was a, a placement of the camp, and you find it in the book of Numbers. What tribe is always toward the rising of the sun? It's the tribe of Judah. Why, Pastor, the tribe of Judah? Because Jesus is coming out of the tribe of Judah, and so he in the loins of Judah is always leading his people. Wow. There's the ark. There's the glory of God. See it. Seek after it. Arise from your place and follow after it. Why? Because you have never been this way before. You see, there's the challenge of the weight. There's the challenge of the water. There's this flood we can't get across. This. Even if some of the strong men could ford the river. Folks, listen to me. There's between two and six million people here in this journey. What about the older people? What about people like me and Dow? What about the women? What about the children? What about the babies? What about the toddlers? Can they cross this river at flood stage? The answer is absolutely not. Too much risk. Too much prospective death. So guess what happens? God leads the way. And then Joshua says to the priest, bear up the ark. And he says, priest, I want you to take the ark of the covenant and I want you to go out in the river Jordan. Now, if I had been on priest duty that day and Josh had said, Mike, I want you to take the poles, run it through the side of the Ark of the Covenant, and I want you to go out in the water, I would say, okay, Joshua, when will the water part? Will it be when I get 100 yards from the water? Will it be when I get 20 yards from the water? Will it be when I stick my toe in the water? And Josh is going to say, no, Mike, you've got to get into the river. And I'm saying, I don't want to get into the river. You see, sometimes you and I just got to get our feet wet, don't we? I want to stay dry. I want to be up here in the comfort zone. 
I want to be up here in the safety zone. No, Mike, if you're going to have a new season, if you're going to embrace a new opportunity, you've got to get your feet wet. Listen, when you get your feet wet, you know what that is? That's an act of faith. Because as you walk in the water that is greater than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you, then you need a God that's more powerful than the river. And as they walk in faith, this is a faith walk, this is a faith journey. And as the priests bear the ark into the water, the water parts like the Red Sea, and Israel's fixing to cross over on dry ground. Wow! This is a Cecil B. DeMille moment here. This is awesome. But the challenge is the weight. The challenge is the water. But the challenge is also the wall. God, if the weight wasn't bad enough, if the water's not bad enough, what are you doing bringing us up here to this massive city with a massive wall? God, you must not love us anymore. Wah, wah, wah. You see, I think this should be easier. I thought this would be easier, God. The, the weight was bad enough. The water's bad enough. But now we're facing the wall. Your attention, please. The closer you get to your new season, the closer you get to your new opportunity, the more the enemy focuses in on you because he does not want you to step into it. Can I hear an amen? Oh yeah, he'll be focused. Some of you are there today. After the weight and the water, there's the walls of Jericho. But just as God had a plan for the water, how many of you know he's got a plan for the wall? God has a plan for the wall in your life. It was kind of a crazy plan. Sometimes it looked like a goofy plan, but how many of you know God's got a plan? When there seems to be no way, God makes a way. It's the God we serve. Some of you here today, you're a little uncertain. You're, you're in a new place. Maybe you're in a new church. You're in a new season. That's okay. God's got this under control. If he doesn't, we're all in trouble. But here's the good news. God's got this under control. Now, when you hear the plan of the wall, I want to take you back to the end of the chapter before Joshua gets to the plan. Do you realize that he's out by himself walking around? And an angel of the Lord appears to him. Why did he get by himself walking around at night? Could it be he's walking around at night by himself thinking, Oh God, for 40 years we wanted to get here. Then we had to face that water. Now, Lord, we're facing the wall. I'm really not for sure what to do. Have you ever been there? We're kind of like King Jehoshaphat. Lord, there are three armies that are attacking us, and Lord, neither know we what to do. I think Joshua was there. Lord, I don't know what to do. We're not warriors. We don't have catapults. We don't have battering rams. But right in the middle of our path is this humongous walled city of Canaanites. How do I get through it? And the Lord says, be all right, Josh. Just walk around it. Seven times. Do some shouting, blow some trumpets. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. Walk around it, do some shouting, blow the trumpets, they're all going to fall down. Okay. I mean, you know, it took a little faith to believe that story. It even takes more faith to hear it from Joshua and participate. Do you realize the first few times they walked around the city, the Lord said, do not say a word. 
Have you ever wondered why the Lord said, don't say a word? Can I tell you, our human nature, this is, okay, here's Ruth, and here's, here's Cliff, and, and here's Lisa. We're all walking around the wall, and this is what we're saying. This is the dumbest idea that I have ever heard in my life. Joshua has lost his ever-loving mind. We're going to walk around this city every day for six days, and on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times, and then we're going to shout, and they're going to blow the trumpet, and these walls are going to implode outward. This is absolutely nutty. And God says, don't you talk. Because I know what you're going to say. You're going to talk out of your humanity. You're going to talk out of your doubt. You're going to talk out of your fear. But friends, I need somebody to talk in faith. Because God is bringing us to a new opportunity, a new season. He's got the weight, okay? He's got the water. And He's also got the wall. And lastly, third thing. A new season means new opportunities. A new season means new opportunities. What do you mean, Pastor? New opportunities? We're not slaves anymore. We're not wandering anymore. The enemy can't stop us anymore. God has given us a sense of destiny, a sense of opportunity. There is a new season opening up for us. Let me ask you before we slip out of here today, what's your new season? What are you looking for God to open up for you? What door is opening for you? What opportunity is coming to you today? Why are you here? This is a new destiny, a new season. Maybe it's a new marriage for you. Maybe new finances for you. Maybe it's a new discipline for you. And everything you encounter can have a waiting period. It can have some challenges. It can have some enemies. You ever tried to go on a new diet? That's challenging. Ever tried to go into a new company? New marriage, a new year without a loved one, a husband, wife, child? You hear the C word, you've got cancer. You've had a heart attack. God, what's happening? Well, there are some challenges in this life. Nobody gets a pass, right? But here's the good news. God is in control. And the good news is, he loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And he's all about you. He's all about me. Matter of fact, the new door opening for you may be today. The new door for you may be tomorrow. You may get a phone call. You, you may get an answer. M maybe you'll meet the, the person that you need to marry. could be today. Quit looking around. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you never know. That's how fast God can change this and flip it around. A new day... A new season, new opportunity, because that's exactly what God does. And sometimes we're so hurt, so wounded, so grieved by the things that's happened to us. Sometimes we look at the closed door so long, we don't see the one that God has just opened. Bow your head with me. Father, thank you today. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.